lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin and all of you. 888-933-93. 888-933-93. I am officially a day older and none the wiser, which we will probably prove. Uh, numerous times over the course of the next two hours. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email the program to let us know what you think about what we think. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. That's D-E-A-C-E. On Parlor at Steve Dace. And if you're looking for clips of this show for free that you can sample and then hopefully, if you like it, share with other people. Even if you don't like it, share it because negative traffic counts too. YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. That's YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. Typical traditional Wednesday festivities on tap. Our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, will join us next hour. Uh, we will have a two-part buy, seller hold beginning at the bottom of this hour. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away? Brought to you by Jim Jordan owns the libs. I don't think we've I don't think we've ever had a hearing where the witness wasn't allowed to respond. To points made, questions asked, and attacks, attacks made. Gentleman does not have the time. I don't want the time. I just want I want the attorney general to be able to have enough time to respond to accusations and questions asked him, and you guys not cut him off. What you want is irrelevant. And Bill Barr owns the libs. Attorney general, mm-hmm. the time is mine. We've waited a long time for you to come here. The time is mine. You've waited to talk to me like this? You didn't need to wait When so asked long. about the use of pepper bombs fired at Americans in Lafayette's... <laughs> Look at stupid Jerry Nadler. To stop violating the safety of the members of the committee, to stop um, holding themselves out as not caring by refusing to wear their masks. We get the is it permissible it, to drink it, it, a sip of coffee? It is not permissible. All right, now that we've sufficiently owned the libs, let's move on to the COVID opinion tracker, KE. E-K-S-T-C-N-C, a global data consulting and strategy firm, have been producing a series of surveys gauging people's views on the virus from different countries. Their most recent survey included 1,000 people each from the UK, US, Sweden, and France. Respondents were asked an open-ended question about what they believe the percentage of their country is that has died from the virus. The survey then published the average percentage from all respondents. Are you ready for this? Because I sure wasn't. In the UK, respondents believe 7% of their total population had died from the virus. That amounts to over 4.5 million people. In the United States, respondents said 9%. That means Americans surveyed believed nearly 30 million people have died in this country because of coronavirus. In Sweden, 6%. And in France, 5%. Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is Panic porn is dead. Long live panic porn. Checking in on your local supermarket. For those of you listening, what we're watching is an older woman accosting a mom and her three children for not wearing masks. The mother tries to explain that masks are discouraged for very young children like hers when this happens. You're forwarding all time. You take care of yourself. Fine. You're forwarding all time. You're going to kill me. 
If you couldn't hear that, the old lady turns to the little kids and says, I hope you all die because you're going to kill me. More video is starting to emerge of the press conference America's frontline doctors held on Monday before it was scrubbed from the internet later that evening. Videos including this protester who told one of the black doctors, You know, you're not black on the inside! I'm more black than you on the inside! I'm Jesus Christ, you tool! Anyway, here are some of the other doctor's thoughts. Hey, I'm Dr. Bob Hamilton. I'm a pediatrician from Santa Monica, California. I've been in private practice there for 36 years. And today I have good news for you. The good news is that children, as a general rule, are taking this virus very, very well. Few are getting infected. Those who are getting infected are being hospitalized in low numbers. And fortunately, the mortality rate of uh, children is about one-fifth of one percent. And yes, we can send the kids back to school, I think, without fear. And When patients test positive, we test, we find out who's sick, we give them hydroxychloroquine, and we have haven't had a single incident. It is important that people realize there is a concerted effort to keep the safety and efficacy of hydroxychloroquine away from the American people. Americans are riveted and captured by fear at the moment. We are not held down by the virus as much as we're being held down by the spider web of fear. Dr. Scott Jensen, the Minnesota state senator and practicing medical doctor who was informed a couple of weeks ago that he was under investigation by the Minnesota Board of Medical Practice for casting doubt on the efficacy of face masks and other remarks on the coronavirus, made this announcement. A few hours ago, I was notified by the Minnesota Board of Medical Practice that after investigating the allegations against me, they were dismissing the complaints and no further action would be taken. The cancel culture, the muzzling, the intolerance to a contrarian viewpoint. This time around, you didn't win. In other news and in the race for the White House, Politico yesterday published a piece claiming that on August 1st, California Senator Kamala Harris was chosen, past tense, to be Joe Biden's running mate. Politico quickly scrubbed that piece. And that's what happened while we were away. You know, I, I don't know if you guys know this about Dr. Scott Jensen. You've seen him on TV. Um, he's been guests on shows here on our network. I think he was on with Glenn Beck just yesterday, actually. Uh, and of course, you guys know he's a doctor and an outspoken one and a state senator. Did you know that uh, in 2016, he was voted the Minnesota Family Physician of the Year? Yep. <laughs> Did you know that? Just a few years ago. For the last 30 years, he's taught at the med school there. Did you know that? No. Yeah. Just a quack then. And he's and, and now suddenly a quack. Same people that gave him that named him the physician of the year just a few years ago. And I I want to share something with the audience. And this really began yesterday. We had a conversation with Will Chamberlain, senior editor of Human Events, one of the granddaddies, one of the OGs in conservative media. I mean, originally it was basically um, human events, the op-ed page of the Washington Times. And, um, and and National Review Against the World. That, that, that was basically conservative media for, for about 20 years. And we had him on because uh, he's also a legal counsel with a group called the Internet Accountability Project about big tech censorship, right? Yes. And we had this conversation just yesterday, and, and I, I believe you were telling me before, because I don't pay attention to what goes on in Congress. I've got friends of mine serving there, which is why I know not to pay attention. Because I know what goes on there. I know not to pay attention to it. 
Does that make any sense? Certainly. <laughs> because I'm very informed of how Congress works. I know it's really not worth my time to pay much attention to it. Okay? So I, I don't know. <laughs> Wake me up when it's over. Wake me up before you go-go. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what the daily itinerary at the U.S. Congress is, but you were telling me before we went on the air that this morning, actually, they're about the time we're going on here at The Blaze, they are uh, beginning the, the hearing on big tech censorship monopolistic uh, antitrust practices right and and will chamberlain started planted this seed with me yesterday and i had a conversation a few hours later you know i got kind of an epiphany uh for my birthday uh after a conversation i had with our management at the blaze yesterday about um kind of the future of our industry and where things are going. And after this conversation, you know, one of the one of the things that came up in this conversation is we were discussing what had happened with the press conference that Aaron had in his montage that has just been attempted to be scrubbed. These are these are again, I have no idea if, if these physicians are right about hydroxychloroquine and coronavirus, I just know they know a hell of a lot more about physicianing than anybody at Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter does. I mean, these are people that have been doing this for decades in many cases. They're licensed right now. If, explain to me how they, they're not qualified to be on YouTube, but after getting banned from YouTube, yesterday they went into their practices and were still practicing medicine on people. Does that make any sense to you? I've never seen a greater trap door in a phrase before than the one that's under trust the experts. Yes. Which one? Yes. I mean, explain how it is possible that they were treating patients yesterday, but they couldn't be seen on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. Now, maybe they don't deserve to be seen on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, but then guess what they also shouldn't be doing? Treating patients, right? Mm -hmm. You can't tell me that it's fine to have them go home and treat patients, but they can't be on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. If they're that dangerous, why in the hell are we allowing them to treat patients? That doesn't make any sense. Both of those things can't be right. They, they are simultaneously not possibly true. They're irreconcilable. They cannot be true at the same time. It cannot be true that they are qualified to treat patients yesterday, but it wasn't they weren't qualified to be seen on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And, 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 I, and I realized in the conversation we were, I was having yesterday with, uh, with the brass here at The Blaze, what Breitbart did yesterday. See, what they did yesterday is something I've been clamoring for for a while. They didn't respond and react to the statist narrative, which is what we just sit around and do all the time, right? Whatever, whatever mascots the statists come up with, whatever mental illness, whatever psychoses, whatever, whatever you know, freak show the, the, that they come up with, to, that this is the new normal, and if you disagree, you're a racist, misogynistic, homophobic bigot, right? Jerry Nadler. Yeah, we just run out there to get our own. And then, and then our own is for all the same psychoses and everything they're guys for. It's just with a conscience clause. I mean, that, that's, that's kind of how we work. We roll. We just, we just kind of sit around waiting for the ridiculous things they say. And then we counter their narrative. The problem is, even if we're destroying their narrative, what narrative is still the only one being communicated? Theirs. 
And if you think this tactic of ours on the right works, we're going to talk more about this in the overtime today. Go back to what was just in Aaron's montage. Those numbers of the perceptions of people of who's dying from this virus. In the state of Florida, if you're under the age of 85, there's 300,000 to one odds you're going to die of coronavirus. Think about that. I was listening to an NFL podcast during my workout this morning as training camps opened in the NFL yesterday and the guy's going, well, I can see why people don't want to play in Florida. That's just a disaster down there. They don't know what they're doing. If you're under the age of 85, there's 300,000 to one odds you're going to die of coronavirus right now. 300,000 to one. What Breitbart did yesterday is, see, if, if they had just ran a bunch of headlines and stories debunking the, the narrative on the virus, nothing would have changed. It would have been like every other day. Every other thing that Breitbart runs, or we run at the Blaze or places like us, right? That's not what they did. What Breitbart did is established a counter-narrative. Breitbart operated under the assumption, okay, you guys want to operate as a foreign country, then we'll just do this independently. We'll do our own research, our own work, have our own experts, and here's the counter-narrative to yours. We're not countering your narrative. We are presenting a counter-narrative. That is dangerous to this process. Because what Breitbart did is threaten their control of the hold on the information. Even, even the critical information, like people like me do. And so I, I got this epiphany yesterday in this conversation. I believe the number one issue in the country is big tech censorship. It is the issue that will determine the future because this is how information gets distributed in our culture. Martin Luther was perhaps the most important man of the last millennium, and he changed the world to this day. But only because Gutenberg invented the printing press that provided him the means to do so. Without that, Luther is just another martyred would-be reformer that would, be, would have been lost to history. Without that platform Gutenberg provided, Luther's 95 theses don't survive the week, let alone 500 years later and counting. Now imagine living in Bible times and your views weren't permitted at the city gate where community business information was done, made, shared. Or imagine being denied access to the world that the telephone opened up just because of your views. You're essentially relegated to a form of cultural serfdom. In our time, big tech represents those things. Except they not only are distributing the information that we see, but they are deciding the information we see as well. And they're doing so while selling our personal information for profit and collecting it for their own use. This is perhaps the most sweeping and dangerous monopoly in the history of market-based economies. It's the equivalent of Ma Bell a century ago deciding who gets a telephone based on whether you align with their corporate views. And then, going a step further, deciding what you get to hear when you even answer the telephone. 
If big tech censorship is permitted to go on like this unchallenged, you are looking at new dark ages when it comes to the information age. You can have all the conservative, religious, traditional, even radical views you want. But if you're cut off from the world, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't matter. You can have every view you want, but if you're cut off from the world, it doesn't matter. You have no means to bring them to light. You're not an influencer. You basically don't even exist. You're off the grid. In this scenario, the American church becomes like the church in China. People still getting saved underground because God's word does not return void. But above ground, its cultural, political influence, impact are null and void. And don't think for a second that isn't the end game here. And we're in the end game now. And no, it's not as simple as go build your own Facebook then. I used to think this way. Until I started talking to people that have tried to do this. You cannot. All the means by which you would bring such a product to market, well, guess what? It's also controlled by the same big tech giants trying to control us now. Go ask the CEO of Parler. I did this last year when I had this position. Found out what it took to bring an alternative to Twitter, even listed in the app stores. <laughs> Those restrictions, folks, they're only going to go. They're only going to grow harder to navigate as these big tech companies become increasingly politically partisan and aggressive. See, the same big tech that owns a monopoly on the distribution of information is approaching monopoly status on the means of information production. And once they reach that critical mass on that front, it is game over. Big tech as a private industry has grown beyond our traditional small government creeds that frankly we lost on every front already anyway. When you look at the size, look at the size and scope of government, even if big tech never existed, we already lost all those arguments. Denying the reality of what's happening here on small government grounds is like denying you're pregnant while in the delivery room. Since we already lost every small government argument anyway, we set the stage for a behemoth like big tech to arise. No, it's not about small government here in this debate. It's about an alternative government because that's what big tech is forming or at the very least an alternative ecosystem that will determine who gets to serve in the government we have. What we're witnessing here is a hostile takeover of a country because whoever controls the information has control albeit it will be one that looks different from how it's historically been done there won't be any tanks down main street there will be no buck burnings and mass cancellations there will be no riots spilling over into outright insurrection nor will there be jackbooted thugs knocking on our doors because when all these things happen big tech won't permit you to see it So I'm going to do something that you two don't know about. When I started this year, I was pleasantly surprised at the direction of the Trump administration. You guys do know this part. I even made some overtures very early in the year to people I know within the uh, White House and the campaign that, hey, if you guys, if, if you stay on this trajectory that you're on, I'm... I mean, you've earned my vote for re-election. I'm, I'm, I, I, would, I would come out at that point. I'd be comfortable enough to support it. If I could help, I'd be comfortable enough to do that, right? Yeah. Now, 
we had very preliminary conversations there, never went anywhere because then the virus happened. Since the, since the virus has happened, frankly, the president has made a series of disastrous decisions. Some of the worst decisions in the history of the U.S. presidency. And that is even giving him slack for the unprecedented times, take a drink, in which we live. The problem has been, however, as the months have unfolded, he has doubled and tripled down on these, including even last week. We're still talking about ventilators and continuing with the narrative that took us from 15 days to flatten the curve to day 120. Wait until a vaccine, which may never comes, may never arrive, may, may never come, arrives. And then when it does come, um, you, you can't trust the antibodies now that we have, but you can trust the antibodies in this vaccine. We will mandate you take five to six times, according to Bill Gates. Um this is all just just hang out and shut your country down so we can win the next election. I asked a question on this show a couple of weeks ago and 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 I said they were already leading the polls before this all began, right? Mm-hmm. Trump was losing all these polls before this began. He's just losing them worse now. His his numbers aren't haven't fundamentally changed from the virus. The, just the paradigm that was in place has just gotten worse. He was already losing all these polls to Joe Biden. So then why are they so eager to win this political election? Why? Why so eager? Why, why so eager to put up a man with dementia? They literally practiced necromancy to resurrect him during this last primary in one sweeping 72-hour period from dead to the nominee. And he's winning convincingly states he never even visited. Why did they do this? Why are they so adamant that everything has to be shut down now? Medical science has to be politicized. Everything does. Why? What's in store after this election that the window is there for them to achieve? That it is worth going to these nefarious means? To take down a guy that, left on his own devices most days, can just do bad all by himself. Why? What is about the timing of this election that is worth all of this? All of it. Even, even the teachers unions arguing against reopening their indoctrination centers. Casting out all self-awareness. Literally giving up premises of arguments they have spent decades lying to us about in order to do whatever it takes to win on November the 3rd. Why? Why? I think one of the reasons why is what I just pointed out to you. When the time was right, God sent his son. And when the time is right, the enemy will send his. The time is now right to create a socio-political industrial complex of thought that is so impenetrable it cannot be it cannot be opposed where you control now not just what people see and think but then what they get to see about what they see and think that you can relegate everyone who disagrees with you into essentially a cultural, intellectual ghetto. 
And the same people that spent the last 25 years telling us if you disagreed, you're a racist, misogynistic, homophobe, xenophobe, bigot. There couldn't be any reason why. Any other reason why I thought it was a bad idea for us to have more people on food stamps than the population of Spain when Barack Obama was president? There could be no reason why you thought this other than racism. What do you think those people are going to do when they get a hold of the information industrial complex? What do you think they're going to do with that? Well, I'm going to tell you what they're going to do. And it won't be prophecy. We just saw it. We just saw what they're going to do. Hey, you're a doctor for 30 years, graduate of UCLA, according to some studies, the number one public university in the friggin' country? Quack. Gone. We're just going to Galileo everybody. Down the memory hole we go. You're gone. Donald Trump has not earned my vote these last few months. He has failed us during the worst crisis maybe we have faced in this country since Pearl Harbor. At the very least, since 9-11. This isn't about him at all. On November 3rd, I'm going to go vote for Donald Trump. Unless some extraordinary accusation is proven true between now and then. I'm going to go vote for Donald Trump. I would encourage those of you that are on the fence. Hey, if, if, if Donald Trump has so offended your conscience that you can't get there, ain't like he, it ain't like he hasn't earned that disdain. I'm not here to convince you otherwise. That's not my job. It's his. But if you're on the fence like I was, I would urge you to join me in jumping off of it. Because this is the truth, I believe. If we let them have control of big tech, game over doesn't matter every other issue we would contend on at that point all that's left to do is is for us to go to a place i would prefer we not go that's a dark place that's traditionally where societies have had to go in order to defend their most fundamental freedoms only once have we had to go there in our 240 year history i i i I mean more americans died in antietam than any other battle in the history of this country I'd prefer to not have a redo. But if we lose the ability to even communicate dissent. I mean, we had two stories of mine flagged by Facebook in recent weeks here at The Blaze. One of them, they tried to pin my story on the photo that was chosen. That the photo wasn't accurate. It was, a, it was an AP file photo. We didn't choose the photo. The other one was my claim that uh, the epidemic line for CDC is not 7.2%, even though it says so right on the website. That's their epidemic line for all-cause mortality, 7.2%. If you lose and if we lose control of this information, I have no idea, and frankly, I don't have a lot of confidence that Donald Trump will do much to push back on this. But I have every bit of confidence that if whoever is behind the necromancy called the Joe Biden campaign gets a hold of that West Wing, that they will use that power to stamp us all out. Although I'm sure our Republican appointees at the Supreme Court will save us. Now, at this point, to me, Donald Trump is a speed bump. We're behind on this issue as a movement, way behind.
We need to push pause, not like the fake one on the virus, a real one. We need to push pause here. Understand our survival of our habitat, our ecosystem is at stake. Push pause. The only way I know how to do that is to put Donald Trump in office. While I don't believe he will ad- he will adequately defend us against these people, I do believe he would not sign a piece of legislation on his desk doing what they will do if dementia wins. Won't just be our livelihoods threatened here. We can get other jobs. It's our ability to spread our belief system. That's the threat. We have seen over the last five months a test run with this virus of how that will play out on virtually every other issue that challenges their Overton window. Because if you think after seeing the precedent that was set here, if you think after seeing how well it worked, they're not going to do this on guns. They're not going to do this on babies. They're not going to do this on families. They're not going to do this on everything. Then frankly, you have a level of naivete I, I just I can't go along with. This is it, I think. Lose here. Lose here, and we lose. More in a moment. Let's get to one of our most popular segments each week by Seller Hold, brought to you by Brickhouse Nutrition. You know, now that we are allegedly opening up, it doesn't mean everything is okay. I think if we have learned another lesson over the course of the last few years, it is, or a few months, Freudian slip, uh, the last few eons, <laughs> over the last few months, I think if we've learned anything uh, amongst all the other things, hopefully we've learned, uh, an additional one would be uh, take more control proactively of your own health, preventatively of your own health. And that's where you can get some help from our friends over at Field of Greens with Brickhouse Nutrition. One Scoop has a full serving of real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables that boost energy and support a healthy immune system. Plus, you know, we've known for years, well, experts before they became the politicized ones we have now, uh, experts have told us for years that diets that are dense in fruits and vegetables reduce the risk of everything from heart disease to hypertension and a whole host of other health issues. And they also boost your immune system. Uh, and they've got uh, tons of immunity boosters like those prebiotics and probiotics you're looking for that you're going to find in Field of Greens. Uh, one scoop in any in any water-based drink, stir it up and you're done. And right now, you can save 15% off of your first order with the offer code Steve at BrickHouseSteve.com. That's the offer code Steve at BrickHouseSteve.com to save 15% off your first order. And then if you decide, hey, I kind of like this stuff, let's keep it coming, 10% off every single month. They'll give you that too. So again, if you want both of those discounts, BrickHouseSteve.com to try Field of Greens today. BrickHouseSteve.com, promo code Steve. All right, let's get to buy, sell, or hold. Uh, You know the ground rules by now. Our producer, Aaron, usually, with a lot of help from y'all in the audience, puts forth uh, a series of statements, predictions, prophecies, etc. Todd and you and I will be deciding. Uh, uh, No topic is off limits by the way. So Todd, you and I are deciding, uh, are we going to buy this? Are we going to sell this? Once per episode, we are permitted to put on a hold. But if it's for any other reason other than, wow, 
how'd that even get on the air? It's so bad. Then you're bad and will be properly punished, scourged perhaps, for punking out and violating the dude code. Aaron. We'll start with Emmanuel S. Smilek, who says, COVID and pumpkin spice are both seasonal contagions, which will both burn out soon. Well, first of all, Sal, there's no end to the pumpkin spice. All right. I mean, pumpkin spice is eternal. And I I I want the record to show. I'm not the one sitting here at the end of July pumping the pumpkin spice. I'm wait. I, I, you serve no pumpkin spice before it's time. I, I am waiting. I'm eagerly awaiting the proper time for the pumpkin spice to arrive. It is other people that are emailing me about it, bringing it up here, right? Am I coming in like with a countdown to pumpkin spice and annoying you guys? Am I doing that? Not yet. Not yet. I, it won't be a countdown. What I will do though is the first time it appears, I will come in and celebrate that day. Oh, I will yes. do that. Yes. All right. But, but you know, I, I don't want to give myself too much credit for willpower. I've cheated a little bit. Um, our, our local drugstore has some homemade or made from scratch pumpkin bars that they put out on the shelf. So over the last six months, like every couple of months, I'll just go in there and buy and, 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 and you know, buy one of the things of it. Just, you know, got to get my fix. So I don't, I don't want you guys to think I'm clean. <laughs> All right. I'm not clean and sober here. All right. I'm, but I'm managing. I'm managing it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and so every couple months, I'm like, man, gotta have some pumpkin spice. <laughs> so I go into the local drug town and grab uh, some pumpkin bars and then take a deep breath, got that out of my system, and I'm good to go. All right. So I'm gonna sell on the grounds that pumpkin spice is forever, but, and I don't wanna give anybody any false hope. I don't. This, so, so this is not meant to be optimistic, it's just observation based on research so far this virus SARS-2 is a more infectious and deadly version or it let me let me rephrase let me stop and rewind SARS-2 is deadlier and more infectious than SARS-1 okay let me state that for the record and I want that stated first duly noted Duly. Case our some friends at one of our you know left wing uh, monitoring sites take what I'm about to say out of context. SARS two is deadlier, far deadlier, and far more lethal. Or I'm sorry, far now more infectious going. than SARS one. Okay. I, I reserve judgment on far deadlier because of the clear scam of okay, data collection. Right, I'll get rid of the far. We'll just say it's deadlier and and more infectious than SARS one. That's not even a debatable point, right? That I agree with. However. If you even if you go look at the timeline of events, when it was first identified, when the first pandemic alerts were made, when the travel advisories were issued, if you compare the timelines of SARS one and two, they are eerily similar. Eerily. In fact, you know we did you did that thing in your montage last week where you read all the headlines of hospitals that overrun from the 2018 flu, and then told people oh, at yeah. the end it was the 2018 flu season. I could come in here tomorrow. Maybe I should have done that now that the cat's out of the back. But I could have come in here tomorrow and just said, you know, I think we're at a critical juncture with the virus. Let's review the chain of events of where we're at, and just read for you the chain of events, and not told you in advance. On the, given the timeline I was just articulating, well, actually, this is from 2003 with SARS-1. And you wouldn't have known. The timeline is eerily similar. And so, how's the timeline of SARS-1 end? 
August. End of August, it was gone. Just disappeared. Disappeared at the end of August. Everywhere. Well, it began disappearing about this time, but by the time we got to the end of August, it just burned itself out in the heat of the summer. Gone. So, there's, there's, there's at least, based off, off the, the epidemiological timeline we have seen of the two viruses, there's, a, there's, I don't know what the odds are. They're not zero. I don't know that I'd like go bet on that, okay? But it's not zero to, uh, to, to, to predict that that would happen because the timelines are very similar. Again, the lethality and infectiousness of SARS-2 is at a different level than SARS-1. We do not dispute that. But the timeline of the behavior of the virus um, from acknowledgement to the end of the pandemic, those timelines so far have been very similar. Now we'll see in the next 30 days whether, the conclu- whether it concludes like that. What's this? Yeah, I got thrown off because of the pumpkin spice aspect of it. What was the actual context of the question? Was it by the end of August? Was it specifically that? that COVID yes. and pumpkin spice are seasonal contagions, which will both burn out very soon. Uh, uh, the thrust of that I buy. All right. Uh, up next is Constantinos Rhoditis, who says it would be more merciful to live under Islamic Sharia law than under a full-blown progressive utopia, because at least Islam grants you the mercy of a jizya. Sell bigly. And our buddy Constantinus normally has really good takes. But I mean, I think this one is wrong as wrong can get. Okay. I mean, would you rather live in Sweden or Jordan, Todd? And I'm picking, I'm picking Jordan for the purposes of that's often pointed out as the most <coughs> moderate modernized Arab state in the world. Sweden or Jordan? Even before this pandemic, where would you rather live? Sweden. Yeah, okay. Now, now given the pandemic, where would you rather live? Oh, same yeah. choice? Yeah, yeah. Sweden. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just whole cloth disagree with that. I, I do. And, and the reason why is you, the European countries, by and large, have handled this a lot better. They're, when I say the countries, I'm not talking the snobbish. They're all wearing. They're not all wearing masks in Europe, guys. They're not. And I, I, two weeks ago or a week ago on the show, we ran down every country in Europe and what their mask mandates were. You know, and none of them had any mandates outside. And most of them had, that had a mandate, it was just if you were doing mass transit. They were far more strict about enforcing social distancing than they were masks. Why? I don't know. What, is, what did Anders Tegnell tell us on the show yesterday? We don't think masks work. Social distancing does. So we urge our people to practice social distancing and we still don't have a mask mandate. Um, if, if you look at the behavior of these European countries from a policy standpoint, from a government standpoint, they've all, and, and their media, they've all done better than us. I think with those numbers in your montage, and we'll get to this in the overtime today, I think what this shows is that maybe there is a high penetration of even American media into some of these countries. Okay, but um, and it goes to what our friend Daniel Horowitz said on the show early on, that these progressive, you know, democratic socialist countries in Europe, they already have the power they want now. So they're not going to they don't get they don't gain anything politically by destroying themselves. Right. Like the so the, the democratic socialists in France don't need to do keep the whole country in the red zone in order to win the next, you know, parliament mm-hmm. election. They, they, they won. 
And so they're like, you know, we kind of like to get back to our decadence and our movies and our soccer matches, right? You know, mm -hmm. we like those things. You know, we got the power we want. We control your health care and how you go to school. And so we, we, we kind of want to go back. You can't even get those things in most Muslim countries. All right. So I don't even think this is debatable. I don't, I don't know why anyone in their right mind would rather live in Jordan than Germany, Italy, Spain, Sweden, Austria, Belgium. I, I don't know why anybody would rather live there. I don't. I will also sell, and this speaks to what I said about it while last week, while Trump has proven to be a disaster, I'm closer to voting for him to endorse what's happening in my pocket right here in Iowa, where we've been relatively free. So there, there's a lot of pockets in America uh, and in uh, Europe to hide in. But I will say this, because, Steve, we talk all the time on the show about just like four years ago, could we have imagined what we've been dealing with? You Steve, should, you in the future, I, it may change. Okay. If you and I live to be uh, gray and hold our grandchildren, I can absolutely envision, I mean, after wandering 40 years in the desert and the flip that happens, I can honestly see a reality where you would rather live in Jordan than in Portland, Oregon. I can absolutely see it. Yeah, I think the spirit behind the, the submission is that uh, inherently progressivism and Islam are just two sides of the same coin, isn't it? Just one is godless and one has a, a false god. I mean, it's uh, because progressivism, what do we always say, is inherently regressive. What do we talk about right. Islam all the time? Yeah. yeah I mean, they're, they're the, fighting over the same sand dunes. But I would look at it, you're right about that, but I would look at it this way. This is, uh, to me, living in an Islamist country is everything you hate about living under leftist progressive uh, uh, oppression and none of the things that you like. Okay? So... There, Currently, uh, that's yeah, accurate. Imagine, yeah. imagine, imagine living in a, in 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 Sweden without pop culture. Imagine living in in Germany without any without any pop culture. I mean, no, essentially, right. it's it's there's not there's nothing to do but be oppressed. Right. There. But if you believe what you said, and I know you do, at the top of the show, when that plays out, and it's not fully going to play out, yeah. instantaneously, like the snap. But again. 30 years from now, when you and I are old and that's gray? possible. It's very it, possible. It, it's possible. Now, I, I do think I, that's the, the, the time period you mentioned is key. Yes. Because it'll be the next generation. Yes. If we put the Wonder Woman lasso of truth around this generation's leftists, they don't want that. They would. They want to use these elements to destabilize us, so they can get the power that that that, that Germany that Germany socialists have, that the UK socialists have, and and in their minds, they're just going to make us look like them. Now. We may get to a point, you're seeing some of this in the UK now, where, where you know, um, what's-his-face, who, who was the leftist on CNN that we loved when he was on America's Pierce Got Talent. Morgan. Pierce Morgan, thank you. Where Pierce Morgan's cancel culture now for like, so you guys think there's 70 genders? That's friggin' nuts, right? Yes. That's kind of a hint of, a, yes. of what you're talking about. Yeah. That another generation of that devolution could get us there. That I could see. But today, this current iteration of these leftists, they think what they're doing is destabilizing us to turn us into the UK, France, etc. That's what they think. They don't intend for soccer and movies and and skating rinks to go away. They don't intend for that. Okay, they they don't. They they they, they just want control of those things. They're also playing with fire that they don't fully understand. Agree and with that. It's, they're going to lose. Sight. And you see that it doesn't too. matter what they want. Yes, you do. I mean, what's the most popular base? 
baby name in London how many years running now? Exactly. What has it been? Muhammad. All the great, the great Catholic cathedrals of yesteryear, of the classic era, how many of them are now mosques, right? So that is a hint that you may think that you have mastered history, right? Exactly. And that, that the it. natural law will not break you, but then eventually you find out. There's only one master of this domain. Yes. Rev AG says Cardinals wide receiver Larry Fitzgerald will break Jerry Rice's all-time receptions record within the next three years. He's 171 behind Rice. Uh, I think it will be sooner than that, provided they are able to play a full season this year. They will play NFL football. It will be a full season, but it may not be 16 games. We, You may have teams that may have to forfeit because somebody in their in the that's what's going on in baseball right now you're being told that they have to shut all of baseball down because of the miami marlins but did you know that right now 0.3 percent positive tests of what they've had with major league baseball 0.3 percent their testing protocols and what they're doing in baseball is working great the miami marlins just uh, uh defied them broke them you know um I don't know why we couldn't eventually see somebody in the NFL. We saw this a guy. Hey, I, 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 I'm going to a friend's wedding. That was that one guy in the NBA, right? And then there's video of him at a strip club. Okay, I mean that could eventually happen in the NFL, and maybe a few games get canceled for a team because they have a, you know an outbreak. So, but I think especially given the offense he's in, I could Larry Fitzgerald's going to probably break that record in two years, not three. How old is Larry Fitzgerald? Um, as the Rock says, it doesn't matter. He's freaking ageless, man. I know what you're saying. I mean, but I, yeah. I, I mean, he played. He played. He played for like Pittsburgh in like 2004. He did. It was like his Fitz senior Jill? year in college. Oh, yeah. I thought you meant the Steelers. Oh, you've known yeah, about the say, Panthers. I'm sorry. Miss, I'm sorry. No. Did he play his no, rookie no, no, year? He, he, that was like his senior year in college. It was like 2004. I want to say. I'll buy because I. He's a good guy. If it was, I, I'm glad it's him. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to break the GOATS record, have it not be a total tool. Yeah, I'm hearing you. Okay. Uh, Chuck Gregory says the NFL decision to have end racism and it takes all of us painted on each end zone will result in a 20% TV ratings drop this season. Uh, He says, I know I'm out. Uh, Total sell. Guys, the ratings are going to be off the charts, man. People are bored out of their gourds. Okay. They want anything they want. Ratings are going to be off the charts. Off the charts. Now, if they did it every week... Yeah, that would that. Yeah, we get to week four or five. Okay, I'm, I'm kind of especially get closer to the election. I'm sick of it now. They do. But if it's just a virtue signal for week one and then everything else goes away back to normal. No, people want are, are tired and want their normalcy back. So, no, the ratings are going to be off the charts like they were for the draft. And they did all this in the draft, too. There was a whole bunch of social justice stuff in the draft. True. We just hadn't got to the riots yet. I, I wish you were right because, as I've said months ago, we don't deserve football the way we're going about this. But I'm somewhere in between what Steve said. I don't know if they're going to be off the charts, uh, and it might take a while to get there, but it's people are bored, and they're just going to drift back to it. There is nothing else to watch. This is the only original programming there is, and it was some of the most popular before this happened, right? Now put it in an environment of scarcity and what happens. Our good friend Daniel Horowitz will take us inside politics next. Stay tuned. And greetings, 
Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is D-E-A-C-E, at Steve Dace on Parlor. That's where you can follow us there, where we're all going to be here momentarily. Uh, also, YouTube.com slash Steve Dace, until that's probably taken down too. YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. It's interesting. Our traffic, in fact, let me go do this right now in real time, okay? And I know Daniel is waiting to come on. He's going to want to hear this, all right? So our Facebook traffic has exploded on my the Facebook page that I run for us in the last couple of months. Um, exploded. I mean, if you look at the amount of comments, shares, everything we're posting is just, the numbers are off the charts at facebook.com slash Dace, right? Yes. Okay. Three hours ago, uh, I posted, um, had, let me, in fact, I'm going to refresh it one more time. I want to make sure I have the absolute most up to date. Okay. So I'm going to refresh one more time. Okay. Um, had some conversations yesterday, including one with Will Chamberlain of Human Events on the show that connected some dots for me. I'm going to share what I think is the decisive issue for the future at the top of the show today. Please don't miss it. Suddenly, three comments, three shares on a page with 120,000 followers in three hours. And you compare it to all the other posts on this page and the traffic and the feedback they're generating. That sound legit to you? Right. Yeah, it doesn't sound. It sound legit to you, Aaron? No, it does not. You, a, a show with our following. I couldn't just put. Hey, I'm going to make a really important statement here at the top of the show. A show with our following can't do better than three shares and three comments in the last three hours. In the last three hours. Come on, man. We get 10 times that just from trolls. Yeah, I know. I know. Hey, if you want to know um, why we are buying supplements by the, the the gazillions nowadays, it's one of the most lucrative industries in the world. It's because a lot of the food we're eating has been stripped out of the things we need the most from our food. Uh, vitamins, nutrients, prebiotics, probiotics, etc. And so we need to supplement that by putting the good stuff back in by buying supplements to take advantage of the stuff that's taken out. Now, the same thing goes on with our pets' food, too, for the same reasons. That stuff's taken out of our food because if you leave it in, you leave these live organisms, cultures in the food, it will spoil faster and it won't have the shelf life you're looking for for mass production, processing, distribution, consumption, etc. Same thing happens with your pet's dry dog food. And that's where Rough Greens Smart comes in. It is not a new dog food, okay? It is a premium dog food supplement to help your dog's uh, diet the same way ours needs supplements too. So all those things, the, even the omega oils, antioxidants, on top of all all the other vitamins, minerals, prebiotics, probiotics, fiber that your dog needs, all of that goes into the food with Rough Greens Vitasmart. Here's the best news of all. It apparently tastes great. 
Uh, all you do is sprinkle the powder on your dog's food, and, and apparently it makes it taste even better because our dog Cap loves this stuff. All right. So if you want to see if you can uh, if you can see an improvement in your dog in maybe just two weeks or less, uh, try the 14 day Jumpstart bag today for just 14.95. That's the 14 day Jumpstart bag today for just 14.95. When you go to roughgreens.com/blaze, R-U-F-F. That's how they spell it for roughgreens.com/blaze. Let's bring in our good friend, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation daniel horowitz is here with us good to see you my friend how are you i'm doing all right steve you guys need a better editor there see our editor warns us never to put covid19 in a title nice nice um i was listening to the conversation you had on your podcast this week with dr scott jensen up in minnesota who's a state senator up there Uh, i know he was on glenn's show here yesterday and you guys were going back and forth on the politicization of medical science. And we saw this earlier this week. You and I are fairly smart laymen, but we cannot presume to debate uh, immunology, virology, pathologies, diagnoses, prognoses with actual medical professionals, right? We have, we have no idea if the, if the group that Breitbart put together in, uh, for that press conference on Monday, if they're right about treatments, hydroxychloroquine, we don't know. What we do know, though, is some of these guys and gals are accredited from major universities. UCLA, by some accounts, is the number one public university in America. How is it that how is it that they weren't safe to be on YouTube, Facebook and Twitter yesterday, Daniel, but they were safe to go back home after that press conference and practice medicine? Why aren't they all seeing their licenses suspended? Why aren't they all uh, why aren't why aren't they being arrested for fraudsters for endangering public and personal health? And that's why I was excited, actually, when they came after Dr. Jensen up there in Minnesota. It's because if you're going to, first of all, it showed that he's, they want to ignore people like him normally because they usually get away with it. So the fact that they thought they had to answer him indicated that he's drawn blood, pun intended, right? That, okay, this guy's affected. We got to do something about this. But, but, but if you come after him, then he gets to defend himself. You can't just, you've got to actually show that the evidence is there to take him out. And lo and behold, uh, the entire case against him was dismissed without merit. And this is a guy that four years ago, they voted the family physician of the year in Minnesota. So what changed? What changed is we had a voice. I mean, our voice is still not strong enough, Steve. But if you allow them to surreptitiously rule over us, they will do it. Um, And I think what you're talking about is really a microcosm of the broader challenge we face right now. Right now, we face the following predicament. If we don't grab the power back, if we don't get that second opinion, make us think about it, um, expose them, humiliate them for doing it, then they will continue doing it. They will continue censoring people. Um, And they I think they will go after licenses if we don't back up these people. But I think, Steve, to speak to your point, the most important news article of this week was a Yahoo Business Insider article that said that you shouldn't throw away your mask because this is going to continue even after a vaccine. And and, and the most important thing to recognize from that is that once power is seated, as our founders unanimously warned about, it will never come back on its own if you don't grab it back, if you don't take action. So I think with Jensen, we didn't throw him to the wolves. We actually coalesced around him. We circled the wagons, and they realized that the fight wasn't worth it. 
Um, but if they think the fight is worth it, if they think they can get away with it, they will do it. Do it. You want to know how much tyranny and mischief they are willing to do? Steve, it's the degree of mischief and tyranny we are willing to accept. Uh, I, I, I agree with that. And I think we got a test drive this week of what the new information industrial complex will look like with big tech censorship totally in bed. Um, you got to test Breitbart's crime. If Breitbart had just called, uh, had a press conference and uh, countered, and, and, and even with these exact same people, and they just simply countered the narrative, meaning they, they did what John I and 80s is doing and has done it several times for the last six months, countered the prevailing wisdom, countered it, was very even critical of it. I don't believe they would have committed the acts of censorship that they did. What Breitbart dared to do is something people like you and I have been begging this movement to do for years and years and years. Rather than just sit around, hey, you've got some uh, freak show mascot on the left that's the new normal. Let's go get our own one on, on the right but sh and shows we're not bigots, right? This is kind of our game. We just sit around. They set every agenda. They, they throw every freak flag out there and we just come up with our own you know, alternative version. But even though we are countering their narrative, in many cases, even crushing it, it doesn't matter because it's still their narrative that's being perpetuated, right? What Breitbart did Monday is they presented not they didn't counter their narrative. They presented a counter narrative like they presented a rival ecosystem to like you and I, as long as we agree to exist within the current ecosystem, can tweet how what we, our thoughts about Anthony Fauci every day and nothing's going to be done. But now we're presenting the idea that, hey, the country should listen to these voices instead Here's the counter narrative. And that's what a John Ioannidis is like, for example, has not done. He has not presented himself as a willing counter to this narrative. All right. He, he's, he's willing to be the vehicle by which we follow in, in lieu of what is, is, is being accepted, where is deemed acceptable for us to, uh, to consume. That's what Breitbart did on Monday. And I think that that shows that th it, it, come January, if they have the power, They'll do it on guns. Pick an issue. Every issue from now on, you won't be able to dissent to the narrative. They'll just, they'll squash you. Because I, I can't see them seeing how successful it's been at, for the last five months and then just saying, yeah, we just won't do this on everything else. Steve, if you had to add up quantifying a certain measure, you know, joules, neutrons, However, you would quantify a degree of media saturation, um, public, scientific, academia, literature, um, government officials that are pushing the panic porn. What share of the pie do you think that would compose? I mean, it's got 99.99%. Why would you be scared of one thing? I mean, you, you got everything. You have the equivalent of the Spanish Armada, and we have one guy with a musket there. Yeah. What do you What do you care? Right. right. But Steve, light is to darkness. Kind of like, you know, you have a dark room with the door completely closed. You open it a crack. A lot of light comes in, and the game's over. But I think 
it's not just the amount of people, but you, you spoke to the quality of what they did that we haven't been doing. We've been talking about the science, the epidemiological trends, and the, the fatality rates. Yeah, they came up with what, a th- alternative prognosis, pro- alternative treatments. They came up with an, another habitat for us to live in, a counter to the one yes. we're currently entrapped within. Yes, they, I, I encourage your listeners to listen to today's show with one of the second opinion doctors, Dr. Mark McDonald. He's a child psychiatrist. We talk about the child abuse, but then he talks about hydroxychloroquine. And he made a point that maybe it's obvious to you, Steve, but, but it was really novel to me. And, and only a psychiatrist could really understand this. Our problem is we are banging our heads against the wall. We're fighting fear with data and the problem is that feelings don't care about facts kind of the reverse shapiro there but feelings don't care about your facts and they won't care about our it just doesn't matter it just we we could show like look you know this number of kids die from covid this number die from the flu like i mean what are you gonna do with that it just doesn't matter you have to address the fear i was never into this hcq debate it didn't sound cool to me. It didn't speak to the fundamentals of the issue. And also, like you said, it, it had to do with medical treatment, which I just don't know the efficacy of that symptoms, how it attacks the symptoms like we could with a public policy response and data analysis. I just didn't feel comfortable without having someone else on to discuss it. But then he he gave the key away. What, what he said on my show today is that you have to conquer fear you have to make it that people no longer fear it and what if we tell people we have something to catch it early on and it's cheap and it's effective and if you would only use it it's all over with right so you could say the virus is this pervasive this deadly this amount but once you no longer fear it then then it falls apart they're the first people that are addressing the the antecedent to this emotional epidemic this epidemic of fear and they're stuffing it right in the hole and that's why because i never understood why they are so viscerally against hcq it just so like yeah there's the pharmaceutical pay for play end that you know they want the expensive thing if you know why 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 would you have a cheap anti-malaria drug um when you could have something that is expensive they can earn money off of but i think steve you would agree this is a little bit more than just the typical cronyism. There's the media political mm-hmm. ideological element yeah. that's opposing a drug. And it's kind of weird. It's just I didn't understand it. And again, remember, this was not some like conservative thing. It, it was an organic movement from doctors in first world countries, third world countries, everywhere speak 70 different languages. I mean, they just everywhere. They're like, hey, dude, this this works. There's no dog in the fight. I mean, no one's making money off of it. Um, and I, I, I think that's why they have to crush it because see, even the vaccine, like, like they came out with this week, we, we know as well as they do at best, it will be like the flu. So if the threshold for panic is, I found a case, I found this. Well, so I found half of that now it's half effective. It's the same thing. It's going to keep going. If they say they have a cure to it then it's game over and that's why they had to take this to the next level of censorship numbers out of florida all right if you are over 85 
one out of 300 of you are dying of COVID-19 in the last five months. If you're under the age of 55, one in 33,000. 33,000 to one odds if you're under the age of 55. You're dying of COVID-19 in Florida. And yet this is this state is... Dude, I was listening to an NFL podcast working out today talking about the players returning for training camp and not surprised they're having issues in Florida. That state's a dumpster fire. They don't know what they're doing. 33,001 odds if you're under the age of 55, you're dying. That's that's all premorbidities, comorbidities, everything. That's lumping everybody together by age, diabetics, everybody. Everybody under the age of 55, no matter how morbidly obese, no matter how, how bad of asthma you have, everybody. Everybody under the age of 55 in a state of 21 million people, third largest state in the country. 33,001 odds you're dying of COVID-19. And yet the perception is that this is a friggin' dumpster dumpster fire, Daniel. How did we get here? So, so Steve, for, for, first of all, just to make a finer point on that, you, I'm glad you lumped in the comorbidities <laughs> because you take that away. The, that 33,000 goes into the hundreds of thousands. Um, I, I was just actually speaking with an ICE official. Every single hospitalization, and there's been three deaths, they've had in ICE custody, very few, by the way, out of the tens of thousands that passed through, and a 60% positivity rate from their testing. Every one of them had uncontrolled diabetes. It's it's It's... Actually, it's it's amazing, mm-hmm. and and if you find them younger on the younger side, in their forties, <clears throat> fifty or so, it, every one of them had uncontrolled diabetes. It's pretty remarkable how consistent that is. One of them had amputations, um, so that's that's an important point there. That again, we are arguing to shield and stratify. And the best way to shield those is by getting it over with quickly, like we're seeing with Sweden, that everyone's having a second wave. They're done with it, and they achieved it with, on net, a better result and without all the emotional um, uh, lockdown deaths, the emotional damage, the financial damage, and everything like that. But I think there's another important piece of news that speaks to the Florida dynamic with an older population. Michael Levitt, the Nobel laureate in chemistry from Stanford, he put out an interesting um, infograph and, and this is data from Wales in uh, Great Britain, but I think the same thing applies here. He, we, he noticed a tail off month to month of cardiovascular deaths, of influenza deaths, all sorts of top causes of deaths were down, sometimes significantly, 20 to 40%. Now, some of that we're alleging that it's because we're misidentifying and, mm-hmm. and misattributing the death to COVID when it was really influenza, it was heart attack, yada, yada. There's definitely an element of that. But I thought he was making a finer point that a good number of them, let's say, they did die of COVID. But what the data seemed to show is that they were going to die within a, a month or two. So it's literally, this is the latest fad from the angel of death. This is what he... This is what he's using now. So you don't see the typical, you know, had they lived another few weeks, it would have been the typical things that got them. So that cohort, they're gotten by this now. Now, look, I'm not telling you that there aren't people that are 85 that could have lived another 12, 13 years and tend to, they're 
tends to beat people like that nowadays that did dive from that as well. But what we've seen overwhelmingly, and Neil Ferguson himself said that, is overwhelmingly, it's not just the elderly, but pretty much they were going to die within the year. Mm -hmm. And and that is a very different scope of a problem. I'm working on a piece right now on the 1957 Asian flu. If you adjust for the share of population, it would be 200,000 deaths back then. But, it, but it's more than that. I said to myself, how many old people did you have? How many people were in the country that were over 75 for the virus to get? There were 2.6 million people over 75. Now there are 13.2 oh, wow. million people, five times as many yeah. people. So And yet still, adjusted for population, we're still under the death rate of 1957, which we did nothing. No one remembers it. Remembers it. My dad doesn't remember it. I can't find people who remember it. And that's the thing, Steve. A lot of these people, th- that is the way they were going to die. Remember, you talk about one in 19. Your chance of dying every year beyond 85 when you start out that year is like one in four. I mean. You know, so that that needs to be kept in mind. It we are pro life, and on a micro level, we will do everything we can to keep someone alive. We're very strong about that. But when you do macro analysis, this is kind of God's way of end of life. Now it's a little bit more weighted towards COVID in some areas for this year. That's what it is. For the most part, it's not people that would have had 15 more years left. For the most part, they were, you know, dying. And and Steve, one more thing I would love to get is what percentage of people who died in nursing homes were receiving care, were receiving hospice care? Hmm. Because I've seen a lot of that. And that makes a big difference. We got a few minutes here. Let's talk about what's going on with the mask debate. All right. And uh, Anders Tegnell over in uh, in Sweden, who if we didn't have politicized science, he'd be your Nobel Prize winner for this year, frankly. But uh, but he said over the weekend that uh, they don't see that 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 masks collectively masking people. Um, it would be a trade-off uh, psychologically that it gives people the notion they don't have to social distance now. Why? Well, because he's pointing out what what I've been asking. If the social if masking works, why do I have to have a closed country? Why do I, why do things need to be closed? Why am I social distancing? If if the mask is the panacea, then then okay, then just give me my country back and we'll wear a mask. But now you're telling me the mask the mask must not work then. If I have to socially distance and be quarantined and still wear a mask while in my home, then the mask must not work. All right. But his point was, hey, if if, if we social distancing works a lot better you give people a mask they'll think they can just go anywhere and we don't see any evidence that it actually stops this from being spread norway's public health came out with a study last week that showed under its current epidemiological line and in fairness you know we're averaging about 19,000 cases per 1 million they're at 1600 so their epidemiological lines a lot different than ours but what they found is under their epidemiological uh, trajectory they'd have to mask 200,000 norwegians to stop one infection and obviously the ratio there just doesn't make any sense from a policy standpoint. Uh, we are there we're awaiting when it, the first random randomized study on masks and COVID-19 is has, is released. I mean these these have been done on every other contagion in recent years, but we don't have one on COVID-19. Um 
And based off what the randomized studies on other infections have said in recent years, that's why we were originally telling people masks don't help until this whole thing got politicized. Well, Denmark is is finished with their randomized study. We are awaiting them releasing their results. Where, where I'm, I am sympathetic, frankly, to businesses that are worried about liabilities and things like that. That's why I, I'm annoyed by it, but I don't like rail against Walmart and stuff like that. That are I, I, I can understand why you might be afraid of being sued, okay? Um, but where are we at with this? Because now we've got the largest fitness uh, gym company in the country, Planet Fitness, saying, "Who care? I know more than the World Health Organization, which said in June, don't wear a mask to work out. We're going to make everybody mask up in all, you know, several hundred of our gyms across the country, et cetera. It, it, is it, let's, let's not, you know, we don't like it when, when our opponents turn us into straw men. Let's not do it to the other side. Is this really just all a virtue signal or is there more scientific debate and interpretation here than maybe we understand? This is a bigger virtue signal than lockdown. Um, Steve, it is. If I understand lockdown in the, in the following way, if you're an, indiv- an, an individual who is scared of getting the virus, you should not go indoors. Okay, that, that is a fact. <laughs> you should not go indoors because if there is someone who has it, it will spread. Um, now, there's various reasons for why you might might not get it, cross immunity, whatever, but you will get it, whether you're wearing a mask or not. That was the position of our government until May in the CDC's own in-house journal, and there's a reason they had that much conviction, because there were 10 randomized clinical trials done on the flu, and by the way, the flu is more of a wet cough, so it's more... Um, visible droplets, whereas this is more dry, which would emit more atomized microbiology, which everyone agrees it it, it doesn't stop. It, it just doesn't. I mean, the closest you can get is a form-fitted N95, but I mean, it's a joke. Everyone's wearing this cloth stuff, which even in the in the like lab trials where they you know spray particles on it, they don't work. Um, Not to mention how many people are just wearing the same cloth one over and over again. How many people are just keeping a, a mask in their car for when they go to a mall or a Walmart or a Costco? They'll just grab it and throw it on. I, that's what I'm doing. It's been sitting in my car for weeks. It's a joke. It's, it's fallen on the floor. My wife's set on it. My kids have set on it. I've spit on it. It's not it, the whole. None of this works when you. The, the minute I take it off, it's toast. Everyone agreed it had to be in a clinical trial, a, cl- a clinical setting where you literally, again, you're assuming that it's blocking the stuff, right? It's, it's coming on. It's coming on. You got COVID on that. Touch it. Touch it. Put it in your pocket. Get it out again. I mean, days on end. Okay, maybe you have a few to go around. It is un. It is mentally ill, Steve. How about the it, person it, you see that takes the mask out of their pocket? And then it puts it on before they go into the store. I love that one. Have you seen that one yet? Where the person Everyone takes the mask seen, out of their pockets. <laughs> I've seen doctors who purvey panic porn, I know, that do that. I mean, in the medical profession, that would have been heresy to do something like that until recently. It just makes no sense. But, but Steve, there's something better. Right now, it's 10 to 0 in terms of uh, randomized clinical trials. There has never been a randomized clinical trial that has demonstrated the efficacy of masks with respiratory viruses. There have been 10 that show the other way that they don't make a difference. Okay, but there's something better than that. There's something better than even a randomized clinical trial rather than these like ridiculous anecdotal stuff or like spray something in a lab. There's something better. Yogi Berra, the great epidemiologist, he once said that in theory, there is no difference between practice and theory. 
in practice there is. See, Steve, you can't get a better trial than looking at the countries yeah. and the states and the counties that have had this for months. Hong on Kong end for months. Western Western media Western media was orgasmic over Hong Kong for months with their mask mandate saving Hong Kong. They're in their third wave of lockdowns right now as we speak. Yeah. Yeah. Hong Kong, the media is the CNBC had an article. Yeah. I mean, it's exploding there. Now, mind you, not many people are dying. There's a cross immunity. They're not. I'm not worried about them. But but we're worried about cases, the spread. Right. This has nothing to do with the death, the spread, the spread. I mean, these people are machine-like. You you can never get more discipline in having that thing glued to your face for months on end than in Hong Kong. It's spreading in Japan. It's spreading in the Philippines, which, according to the Imperial College survey on mask wearing, actually had the highest degree of compliance. Germany has a higher degree of compliance than America. It's it's coming there now. Everyone thought they'd be good, well off. Spain. Um, in all the areas where it didn't spread, like in Madrid, it makes sense. It's spreading now. It's going up there. It's spreading in Belgium, which they're they're kind of nutty about this, even though they've already had the most deaths there. Then you look at America. You look at Google, the New York Times map on mask wearing, and they have a heat map. And you look at Miami-Dade. You look at California. You look at the Rio Grande Valley in Texas, you know, those border counties that are getting hit. They all have an insane degree of compliance. I live here in Maryland where they say it's growing in the Baltimore. I've got about a minute. I have not seen a single human being without a mask inside of a store, much to my chagrin. I mean, it's 100% compliance. So, Steve, what are we trying to simulate in a trial, a study, a lab? Whether having a mask mandate will work, we've had it, and it doesn't work. I mean, it's unbelievable. One more quick thing. Steve, they, they agree it doesn't work because they're saying, I have to wear a mask because I'm going to harm you. But you're wearing your mask. You religiously believe in it. So how does it affect you? You mean to tell me, me transmitting, spitting on it, a velocity of my windpipe, it's going to block it. But then the stagnant particles that don't have the velocity from outside in are going to go in and, and penetrate? Garbage in, garbage out. It doesn't work. Great stuff as always, my friend. God bless. Take care. God bless. We'll come back. Part two of Buy, Seller Hold is next right here on Blaze TV radio podcast in a moment. Don't let what happened to Deborah happen to you. She didn't even know what home title fraud was until she was getting evicted from her home and she learned the hard way. Home title fraud, by the way, is not, repeat, not covered by your homeowner's insurance. Uh, about the only way I know of that you can protect yourself from this is to trust the people at Home Title Lock because cyber thieves have discovered that our titles are kept online these days. Uh, so they forge your name on your deed stating you sold your home to them. They then refile as the new owner. They own all of that equity. They stick you with the payments or in Deborah's case, the eviction notice. And that's how she found out when the eviction notice arrived. Home Title Lock though, they will put a virtual barrier around your home's title so you're not another Deborah. Uh, and the instant they detect tampering, they will mobilize to shut it down. But first things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address right now to see if you're already a victim and don't even know it yet at HomeTitleLock.com. And then while you're there, if you'd like to, uh, get the protection, get 30 free days of protection with the promo code Steve. So my name will get you 30 free days at HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that is HomeTitleLock.com. 
Realtorpodcast.com. Let's get to part two of Buy, Sell, or Hold. Aaron. All right. We'll begin uh, this hour or this half hour with uh, Governor Ron's Alligator Emporium, who says best governors in America, Christy Noam from South Dakota, Kim Reynolds, Iowa, Ron DeSantis, Florida, Brian Kemp in Georgia. That's kind of our Mount Rushmore. Um, in that order or just those four? Just those four. Uh, I would. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put Christy Noam first. There were some issues with her from a conservative standpoint a little bit from what I understand from people I trust before this came about and she's just you know been dynamite since this came about I mean our governor we thought she could potentially be the best governor in the country before this all went down right we were talking about the possibility of that Um, I think Brian Kemp's been an absolute stud when it came to this and I think I think Ron DeSantis except for a couple of areas overall has been great and I think was a really good governor before we even got here anyway. So I'm sorry, I'm doing the math on this out loud in my head um, over the microphone, so not in my head. Uh, Yeah, I'm okay with those four names. Totally okay with that. Yeah, there's... I, I don't. I have can't it. think of a glaring name. Then, like this, this person right, has to be exactly. there and mm-hmm. isn't. I've seen that Camp Virtue signaling sad. the mask use pretty strong, which just bugs me. Uh, but I don't disagree with the the thrust of your analysis about him. The the lar- his larger body of work. Yeah, I think if I had to pick one, that's number one. I, I think I still might pick DeSantis, and I'm going with the body of work. As an entirety, even before yeah. a coronavirus. Yeah, that's a good point, too. I'm, a, I'm actually okay with Kemp virtue signaling on the masks, and here's why. We're, we're living in, an, and I'm not, I'm not saying they've done this level of four-dimensional chess, but I think he's done some level of four-dimensional chess the way that they've played this thing for the last few months, okay? We're living in an era where the courts routinely try to tell the White House they can't uphold the Constitution based on stuff Trump tweets and says, Right. Mm-hmm. It's just like they throw the law out. Well, Trump said this, so the law doesn't matter now. We don't like it, right? Right. We saw the Supreme Court do this recently. John Roberts did it on DACA. Brian Kemp's the same guy that has said, I, I will not allow you to enforce any mask mandates anywhere in the state of Georgia. No city, no county can do this. And now him and, and, and I think it's Fulton County and, and, and where Atlanta is located, they're fighting it out in federal court right now. It's actually kind of smart then if you're going to take that position. Given the environment we're in, and I'm not saying he thought this far ahead, but I wouldn't rule it out either. It's kind of smart to play the the PSA game on masks because we're living in an era where they would he would lose that case first round on well you're just you're just peddling flat earth science on masks and you're trying to hurt people and so we don't like what you're saying so you're gone. The fact that he's saying that he's saying hey mask up mask up while also not mandating it means that they're going to have to actually look at the merit of the claim. Does he have the power to do this and not use a cop-out that he, well, we don't like what you tweeted on mask on May 29th, so your case is, you, you lose. Because we're seeing that. The president has gone through this numerous times. I'm unconvinced. But okay. I hear you. All right. Next up is Barbarian Jane, who says the Major League Baseball has to pause its season when one of the stuffed animals in the stands tests positive for COVID-19. I'm going to sell. I, I think... I think they've actually handled this pretty well. Um, I think they should have been more proactive with the original positive test. I think that criticism is legit. But, I mean, 
guys, I went over to ESPN.com this morning out of con, out of, and I I used to do like every day when we had live sports just to see scores from the late the night. I just I haven't been to ESPN.com. I realized, man, in like five months or something. I went over to ESPN.com this morning when I woke up, not on the main masthead, nor the main menu of the stories trending. Nothing about the Marlins. Nothing. Even with four additional tests, so it's next, was it 14, 17, 18 players that tested positive now? Marlins weren't anywhere on the list. Main thing on the masthead is they almost had a fight last night in the Dodgers-Astros game, mm-hmm. and then just other sports-related stuff. See, the antidote to this is normalcy. See, I'm going to make a broader point about this on another issue, because I think the same thing applies. We had the one last hour on the social justice thing, week one of the NFL, right? That was one of the buy, seller, hold you asked me about, Aaron? Mm-hmm. Okay. You have to understand, folks, this isn't being done to, uh, to enact real change. It's not going to enact any change. There is not one kid trapped in, in an inner city school in America right now where his, his God-given human potential is being crushed because of the districts he's in that he can't get out of. There is not one of those sad, tragic boys and girls whose potential is now going to be suddenly realized. Not a single one of them. Because they put some they put some virtue signal in the end zones for week one. Nobody's lives will improve. Nobody's. This isn't meant to do that. This is meant to get social media acclaim. This is meant to be ratioed positively. To be seen as one of the beautiful people. One of the acceptable people. That means when people like us spend our time railing against this, we're helping them. They want our angst. They want our disgust. Like, like you want to see Jerry Nadler losing his mind at Jim Jordan, pimp slapping him yesterday? It works both ways. It works both ways. Like if Trump wins in November, whether you're voting for him or not, if he ends up winning, the first channel you're turning to is CNN when it's declared because you just want to get their reaction and laugh, right? It works both ways. You, you, all of us, we're done. You guys suck. That, that's the enforcement, the reinforcement they're looking for. Your help, you're actually, you may think your protests on social media and your vows to not watch anymore and that if enough of us do this, they'll go away. It will have the opposite effect. It emboldens them. Racist America is offended. Keep doing it. You want this stuff to go away? Do to them what they do to us. Like they did to those doctors the other day. Just doesn't exist. It didn't happen. I'm not watching. I'm, I'm, it just didn't happen. I watched the game and I'm talking about everything other than that. Deny fire oxygen. Suffocate it. When you and I protest vehemently against this and lose our damn minds and tweet at these athletes and everything else, that's the reaction they want. It's just, it's, it's throwing another shrimp on the barbie, man. It's more cowbell. You're just adding kerosene, lighter fluid. You got to go into Phil Collins, I don't care any mo mode. This is beneath me to acknowledge. It's so dumb and silly. I don't care. I'm not giving you anything. I'm not giving you the satisfaction of my disgust. Classic one-hit wonder song from the early 80s. You ain't worth the salt in my tears. Remember that one? I do. Yeah. That's, see, that's what they, the indifference. Give them the indifference. 
But Colin Kaepernick's value to Nike goes up with every headline, whether it's from the Blaze, Breitbart, Daily Wire, goes up. We're not the intended audience. If we suddenly acted like Colin Kaepernick's daddy wore a condom that night, his value would go down because half of his value is clickbaiting from us. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. I think I think the same thing applies to this particular proposition. Todd, your thoughts? Yeah, I I would sell. Uh, Steve and I were talking what two days ago. I think it was on Monday with, with like the Marlins, perhaps watershed moment, and uh, and I said I honestly don't know. It just depends on the the caliber of the people yep. that are there right Could now. Could they stand up to the media hype? Yeah, and, and they did. They just we're just gonna keep playing games, punishing the Marlins. Everybody else is gonna play. Now yep. what is happening? Because the Washington Nationals were the next team, yep. and they. Last I heard, they were refusing to go down. But yep. has that been resolved? No, nope, nope. but that, I don't blame them for that either. And, and but and what's going to happen because of their refusal? I, that, that we don't know. But here's what here's what needs to happen in the pro sports. When when your overall testing rate in MLB is zero point three percent positives out of over twenty thousand tests, and you have one team that is effing up like this, what needs to happen in these pro sports is a, is a very simple rule needs to be implemented. Okay. If you have to, if we have to mess with our with the schedule more than one game because of what you, because your inability to police yourself, these are just all forfeits now. We tie this, this is part of the competitive expectation. If you can't field a team because you couldn't keep these protocols, if it, listen, and I'd have, I'd have a different statement about this if it was systemic. If we had like six teams in Major League Baseball that were having this issue, this would be a whole different conversation, Right. Right. Yes. Yes. And, and then even you and I might be the kind saying, maybe you need to pause play for a week and understand your own protocols here because it's more systemic than just the most dysfunctional franchise not called the Baltimore Orioles in the entire damn league. Right. Right. So since it's just them, you need to make examples out of people like this. You're, these are all forfeits. They're all losses. And the team and the games you can play, those teams get all wins. And tie it to the competitive aspect of it. Um, in order to give a further incentive uh, for, for teams to follow through on their end of the bargain here. So, and the other reason I'm going to sell, and, and Steve mentioned, you know, you can just tell the normalcy of it all. How, we're, we're going, that Dodgers uh, uh, Astros, Astros thing, yeah. just back to what would have happened beforehand. I mean, the lack of self-awareness by the Astros not realizing uh, that they deserve that and then them coming out and, and almost starting a brawl and they're getting, you know, both, there's no social distancing. They're both almost right on top of each other. No punches were thrown, but that's the, the normalcy, even in the decadence that Steve is talking about. Now, everybody, everybody is doing this weird Rorschach blotter test, kabuki dance, feng shui, way nonsense and normalcy kind of just blows all that up so uh, trust me they're going to try hard in whatever they is to make as much panic in mid-season end of season whatever to blow up everything but as for now you know it's like baseball it marks the time it's like feel the dreams here it's that stuff it's like i why i can't quit baseball it's in me and it's in enough of these people that it's just destroying narratives so far Raymond Gillespie says sports writers disdain their audience more than the GOP disdains their constituents. It is a close race, man. Let me say this. There's more sports writers that love sports than than. Well, 
Are we talking like Washington Republicans? Because there's a lot of good Republicans at the state and local level. Okay, let's just can I can I amend his tweet to, to sure. Washington, the, the National Republican Party? Okay, mm-hmm. there there are far more sports writers who love sports than there are national Republicans who love you. Far more. So I, I will I will I will sell. Right. That's what I want to do on this one. Then sell. Yes. Yeah, I, I think I think there's more sports writers that love sports. Not as many as you would like, but there are more sports writers that like sports and love sports than Republicans in Washington who like any of you. And of course, the numbers are going to be lower because there's fewer elected representatives, right? I don't mean that. I mean, like, per capita. I, I'm definitely selling. See, the... the the federal uh, Republicans, they, they they hate the fact that they have to interact with this base and it's not on the terms that they want to every two years or four years or six years. Oh, they just hate having to do that. The thing with sports writers, though, they, they always get to interact, whether they take callers or if they go out and they pretty much get to interact with the public on their terms all the time, which is the big difference. I mean, I got all kinds of problems with sports writers and how feckless uh, they are. And they certainly don't allow in uh, alternative opinions from uh people with some level of topical expertise they're very controlling in that respect but on your average fan actually i think i don't think they hold them into in contempt nearly as much as your uh, average federal republican agreed jacob hibbard says fat thor was a mistake and undid his character progression up to end game no i would sell I would I would sell. Uh, I it, it grows on. I, I was never against it. I think they should have done much better with the Hulk uh, down the road. But Thor, I lo- Thor has been alive for how long? I mean, hundreds of hundreds of years. Yeah. And ultimately, that purpose that he failed in and how he wore that at the end, you you he was. He was going mad. I mean, he really, yeah. that's what was happening. And I like the, yep. just the weight of the existential failure. I, I thought it was incredibly Agreed. well done. I completely agree with you. Yep. Uh, 2016 ruined my liver says uh, ventilators <laughs> talk at CPAC before Steve does. Yes. Yes. Uh, maybe if I ever get asked to speak at CPAC, I'll show up with a ventilator. Just like wearing like a gold chain, like Flavor Flav, just a ventilator around my neck. Dollar dollar bills, y'all. Right? Yeah, you got to buy. Yep. Yep. Let's see. One or two more. Here, uh, <laughs> uh, the FDA will com- uh, proclaim that trans fats are actually good fats so as to not be labeled transphobic. <laughs> All the foodies on social media will tell us to trust the experts. <laughs> Who's Who was that? Uh, Aaron Rialli. Sorry. Leave us alone, Aaron. <laughs> Bye. We hate you. We hate you. That's my answer. I hate you. Yeah. I hate you. Bye. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, John Prudlow. Let's take this seriously. John Prudlow says uh, Biden's speech at the Democratic con- Convention will actually be a deep fake to avoid any embarrassments. So. Bye. Hey, crazy voices in your head, whatever. I'm in. I'm I mean, in. are you going to hide him? Could you imagine you hide him for all these months? 
and then you put them out there. It's it's not like a, a real convention, so it won't be quite the audience, but it's still going to be a massive audience. And whatever he says goes viral afterwards. Depending, the, the amount of people are going to see it afterwards compared to live because of the digital age is ginormous. Are you going to take all those months of hiding him and let it all ride on 30 to 45 minutes that he can keep it together up there all by himself that whole time? They don't care, though. They're not. That's not the narrative they're going to make sure gets told. All right. I tried. Alex Jones, if you're watching, I tried. <laughs> hey, Alex Jones, th- bu- uh, helmet sticker. All right, we'll be back at it again tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.